Hey everybody, welcome to Starting Blank. Today's guest is honestly one of the most advanced humans I know. I'm not talking about having AI chips implanted into your brain just yet, but rather transforming your mind, body, and life into becoming a true human 2.0. But his life didn't start out this way. He faced harsh racism and bullying growing up before discovering the opportunities the internet held. In 2013, he built the world's number one Minecraft server and turned it into a six-figure business at age 15. While in college, he faced rock bottom, dealing with depression, obesity, and social isolation. But soon after that, he started to gain control over his life, step-by-step, launching the Humans 2.0 podcast. Since then, his podcast reached the top 100 charts. He's been featured in Forbes, launched his best-selling book, Screw Being Shy, and has impacted millions of people in the process, helping them overcome social anxiety and redefining what it means to be shy. In this episode, we're going to dive into the advice he wishes he knew when growing up and how you can change your life too. Welcome to the show, Mark Metz. such a brilliant intro and i remember the first time you had me on this podcast i don't know if that episode aired or not but um your intro wasn't that great so you've made great <laughs> great progress man and, and that's so important so thank you so much for having me on this is so awesome and it's been so great to see what you've been able to build as well thank you mark yeah we we've definitely both grown a lot a lot since then and that's that's really what it's all about so again this this new approach and this podcast is really just centered around advice you wish you knew when first growing up or any lessons you've learned along the way so we'll jump right into it so really just think back what's really that uh, main prominent piece of advice uh, that you've learned along the way that you really wish you knew when first starting yeah, you know, honestly, I, I give advice for a living, so I, I could talk about so many different things. But I think the biggest thing that I would say is that um, I think the biggest piece of advice is you have to just become more conscious. You have to raise your level of awareness. And one of the ways that you do that is is just by having varied experiences. Um, and so whether that means traveling, whether that means talking to people you wouldn't normally talk to, whether that means learning about something you wouldn't normally learn about. I think just expanding your, your field of vision is so important for just learning more about yourself. And the reason why I say I, that's so important is because I lived with anxiety my whole life, but I didn't know. And so one of the first steps to actually doing anything about anything in your life is just becoming aware that it's a factor, becoming aware that this is a real thing. And I remember thinking back, even when I was like 17, 18, I had no idea what anxiety actually was, even though I was living inside of it 24-7. And, you know, there's like this analogy by David Foster Wallace, where um, he speaks about two goldfish swimming in a pond. And he says, you know, imagine there's two goldfish and one of them says to the other fish, hey, how's the temperature of the water? And the fish goes, wait, what's water? And so fish are surrounded by water 24 seven. It's like this clear, invisible substance that they're swimming around. It's they're surrounded by it 24 seven. And they don't see that they don't realize that. But if a fish tries to get out of the fishbowl, if a fish tries to go above water, it can't because the water is limiting it. And so what I've learned personally is that us human beings, our minds, they do that to whatever we are the most surrounded by with. So whether that's anxiety, whether that's abuse, whether that's um, poverty, you're just going to think that this is just the way that life is and there's nothing that you can do to change it. So gaining awareness is so important. And, you know, like my podcast, I interviewed this, this guy who's like a world champion. He's His name is Donald Sujo. And this guy literally came from a communist country when he was a kid. And he was telling me, like, when he was growing up, even though there were, like, clearly signs of, like, um, you know, him leaving the country on, like, a super small boat or, like, the open certain days of the week in a communist country, and that's a terrible way to govern society. Um, But uh, he was like, I had no idea I was living in communism. So whatever you're the most surrounded by, that's what's going to control your life. And so the first step is 
to clarity around that. And that can be very hard because, you know, a quote that I mentioned in my book, Screw Being Shy, is that the human mind is the worst prison. It's the worst prison because it makes you not know where the jail cell starts and ends in your mind, in your behavior, in your actions, whether who you think you are versus who you actually are. And so, yeah, that's like one of the biggest things that I'd say of just get more aware. And the truth is, is that this usually happens automatically in life, but with like usually like some sort of a traumatic event where some traumatic event just like shakes you to the present moment. And you're like, oh my God, what was happening before? And so this is a part of life. But I think if you can, if we can find more ways to do that ourselves before those traumatic things happen, then maybe we would be better off and just more aware of our life. And that's really the first step to changing anything. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point because we're kind of living through some chaos right now. It's 2020, there's a pandemic going on, on racial tensions. Uh, just, there's just a lot of stuff going on in 2020. Um, when you talk about raising your consciousness, if something traumatic didn't happen to you, uh, what are what are ways to really like raise that consciousness and like find that yeah. kind of clarity for people? Yeah. So, dude, I mean, I've sat about this. I've I've masterminded about this with people who are way smarter than me for like hours and and weeks and months. But I think the biggest thing, aside from a traumatic event, to be quite honest, is meditation. And the reason why I say that is because. I've been on, you know, I've been on so many podcasts before and, and, and podcast hosts, they ask me like, Hey, what is, what is something that our, that a listener can do or what's something like they need to understand. And what I've learned is that just because somebody hears something or they know something or they remember something doesn't actually mean they, they actually understand it and they actually comprehend it at a deep level to then where they're able to apply it in their own lives. And so personally for me and what I've, you know, a lot of other successful people, what bridges that gap between conceptual and then actual understanding is, of course, other than doing whatever it is you're talking about, it's, it's meditation. And the reason why is because there is no other time in your life where you are going to be disconnected from your external environment in the present moment in your life, other than if you choose to, by forcing yourself to sit down and meditate and not focus on anything except for the present moment, or if you're doing some kind of like transcendental meditation. Um, And so honestly, what I have found is when you are able to meditate, you essentially like what happens is you start training your, your brain's attention muscle on what to focus on. And you teach it to train to the present moment. And so when you start to live in the present moment, then that's really where you start raising your levels of awareness every single day, instead of waiting for a traumatic event to happen to you every other year or, or every five years um, for it to do that. And so, yeah, I, I find that if you can meditate like every single day, it is, it literally constantly puts you in the cycle where, you know, you're, you're out, you're living your life and there's a feedback loop happening between the external environment and your internal environment. And then you, you know, sit down, whatever it is, every morning for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and you disconnect from the external environment. And then your brain basically gets to the reset. And it's like, huh, what BS did I pick up from the world? Like, what crap did I pick out there that my brain is trying to take in one as its own? And the reason why I say that is because, so like for me, I, you know, I, I grew up in a super small town, extremely racist. I was the only person who wasn't white, basically. And so a lot of my journey has been me understanding that part of the reason why I had such a low self-esteem, part of the reason why I felt like I couldn't do anything with my life was because my brain had just picked up information that I heard from people who were probably, you know, hurt and damaged themselves, who just projected that pain onto me. And what I found is, if you haven't been taught the right tools, you're just going to go along with whatever your brain has heard and your brain is going to internalize it as if it's your own. And so, you know, I remember speaking about this with um, Claude Silver, uh, chief heart officer at VaynerMedia, um, when I was sitting down in their office in New York City and she was talking to me about this of like, if you have a voice in your head that is not good, um, unless you're doing something bad that like, you know, you shouldn't be doing, that's a voice that's not yours. That's a voice that's been planted. 
And so when you meditate and you disconnect from the external environment and you're like just in your internal environment, in your head, in the present moment, you conceptually begin to see what you need to let go of. And yeah, that's not going to happen if you meditate for like two weeks, then you stop. But if you're in that process every day, that is one of the, the straightest, surefirest way that I can say to someone for them to constantly integrate what is happening around them and being the present moment. And then just actually understand what that is and then integrate it in their own life so that they take those lessons and they apply it. Because so much of, um, you know, so much of the human story is our consciousness being late to the party of our conscious awareness coming in after we did something after years later. And like, for example, um, like I talk about this in my book under the, the section of the truth. And I basically talk about Pinocchio, the Disney movie. And if you like, it's a, such a brilliant movie. There's so many great analogies and ideas that m mirror human life and human behavior. But one of the biggest things is like when Pinocchio goes from a, from a wooden fake puppet boy to all of a sudden becoming a real boy and he steps outside and he immediately steps out into the outside world and he's greeted by like these two con men who are, who are foxes. Um, and that's to show that like people may take advantage of you in life. And he goes out there and then they start manipulating him. They're trying to convince him, oh, we're going to make you so successful. You just have to come with us. And, and then and really they're just trying to sell him on a, like to a fair. But then what happens is his consciousness, which is displayed by uh, Jiminy Cricket, the little bug that sits on his shoulder, after he, he chooses to go with them, then his consciousness comes running down the street and it's like, oh, I, I woke up late. Oh, I, I hope Pinocchio didn't do anything. And so that's just a common theme of life of just our awareness is always late to the party. But if you can have things that you do like meditation, you just, you conceptually understand things at a deeper level much faster. And honestly, the best way to think about this is, you know, in terms of, in terms of like your energy, what I've learned about life, this is another th piece of advice that I'd say, um, we're, we all have problems. Um, and if you are a human being, you are just going to have like these natural anxieties and depressions and feelings where you feel like you're all alone. And then you feel like you're so successful and you're crushing it. And then you feel like you're a loser. And nobody likes you. That's totally part of what it means to live as a human being and to exist as a living, breathing uh, organism on this earth. And, um, so one of the biggest things that I think is we're going to have problems regardless or not of, of what we do. So the biggest thing that I've learned is you have to be able to easily have your mind and your spirit and your body be the system where things can come and go and they don't get stuck. And what I mean is there will be some times where I feel like some kind of a problem will happen in my life, whether it's a, a real problem or it's a problem that my brain is making up to convince me of something. And a lot of times what will happen is I will get hurt by those problems if I'm not able to process them, if they just get stuck within me. And what I mean by that is like, um, you know, there's this quote that says, as a human being, you, sh you shouldn't be like a, like a water bottle where you basically, you know, you got, your cap is open and there's just water filling inside of you. And because what happens is basically that cap is going to close and you're just going to have water that's stuck here. And if there's, if there's crap in the water, it's just going to like float or it's just going to go to the bottom, but there's still crap in the water. You want to be more like a, a colander, like one of those, um, like one of those things, like when you make pasta, you, you filter out and it has holes underneath, which is why if like, if you have dirt in there, but you constantly have water flowing through you, that problem, yeah, it's going to come, but it's just going to flow right out. It's going to flow right out faster. And meditation is like one of those tools that you can use to in increase your energy, to increase that flow so that when a problem does come, it, it, um, it just passes through you. And then what also happens too, is when you begin to meditate, um, I don't think this happens with everybody, but it, this has happened. This happens with me. This happens with other people I talk to who meditate. But essentially, what it begins to happen is your brain, at like some weird meta level, begins to recognize the pattern of problems. 
And when it begins to recognize the pattern of problems, because your conscious awareness is so high, what happens is you can then start to literally predict and see problems that are happening around the corner. Um, and so, you know, meditation is just one of those things that has 1,055 benefits, but it's definitely one of those things that's like a meta skill. If people did this, it would help every single area of their life, including some of the ones that I mentioned. Yeah, meditation has absolutely changed my life. And um, you're, you're definitely a big proponent of that. I know you've been, I've been following you for uh, a few years now, um, at least a year and a half, two years. And I, when I first heard you talk about meditation, I'm like, I don't know what this meditation is. I've heard it. I thought it was kind of like a woo-woo thing out there. And I think right. a lot of people are in the same exact boat. They they know obviously going to the gym is how you gain muscle or lose lose fat. But when it comes to the brain, it comes to like working out mentally. And again, uh, like knowing knowing how to process those thoughts, meditation is one of the best mental workouts or workouts for the brain you can have. I, I want you to touch yeah. on like the conscious awareness and how maybe like the subconscious plays into that. So when you first sit down to meditate um, or lay down to meditate, whatever you do, do you set any like intentions before going into it? Or you kind of walk me through the process of um, how do you, how do you really yeah. get started and get into that flow? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, what I would say is I'm definitely no expert in this department. And what I would say is if people actually want to learn how to meditate, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, meditation is one of those things where people like they download Headspace or they download some meditation app the same way I did. And there's nothing wrong with Headspace, but they do it. And then they like try out some of like the guided meditation. And then they like do it for like a session or two. And they're like, okay, I don't really see a point of this. And they stop. Um, I think there's great value in, in learning how to meditate from like a legitimate source. Not that Headspace is not legitimate again, it's just headspace is like, from my awareness, it's like guided meditation. Uh, but there are other forms of meditation. And there are many different types of meditation that you can do depending on what's happening. Um, and so if people want to learn more about that, um, there's this great company who's headed by this person named Emily Fletcher. It's called Ziva Meditation, Z-I-V-A. They, uh, they teach this meditation course. I took it, totally recommend it. Definitely worth the money for sure. Um, so there are multiple forms of meditation, but the most simplest one is, um, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and, um, you know, sometimes I set intentions, sometimes I don't. Um, but honestly, I just go there and it's, um, close my eyes. I, uh, just focus on my breath. I focus on like my physical sensations. I focus on, like if there's wind in the room, I focus on smells. I'm trying to ground myself. Um, and then I will close my eyes and I'll just sort of use my breath as an anchor to go up and down uh, my, my body and just try my best to just be in the present moment of literally just like focusing when I inhale, focusing when I exhale on, on my breath only. Because the truth is, is your breath is the only thing that, that you have for your entire life. Everything, nothing really is continuous throughout life except for your breathing. Um, and so that's why people anchor the breath with the present moment because it's the only thing that is technically in the present moment. Because when you think a thought, you're actually thinking about something that already happened right now, which is already past. And so the only thing that you can consciously think about is your breath. Um, and so there's things like that. And then there's other meditations where I do, where I do set intentions. And I'm like, hey, my goal is like, there's different like visualization meditations where like, sometimes I'll, I'll tell myself like, you know, Hey Mark, um, I'm really going to focus on increasing my, my energy and like my level of, of brightness in the world. And this, this like seems weird, but I, um, what's his face? Uh, David Meltzer actually taught this to me. And, uh, basically what you do is, you know, you're sort of, you're in the same pattern of what I said before of kind of focusing on your breath. And then basically what you do is, you imagine what is like, what is plaguing you? Like, what is the dark hole that is happening for some people? That's like, Oh, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, pay these bills. I don't know how I'm going to support my family. I don't know if I'm going to be good in like all the, all these different fears that we have. And you basically visualize that into like a black hole, like inside of you in the middle of you. And then what you do is you start to visualize every single person in the world that you love. 
and you start to imagine them in lightness and brightness and you put that in the middle of yourself and that grows out until it covers your entire body and it covers that darkness. That sounds super woo woo, but in the times in your life where you need that, and especially if you know how to meditate, that can like literally set your entire energy. And like, for example, there are times where I meditate and I tell myself that I don't, I don't exactly like, I don't like imagine bad things or like people that I love per se, but I just visualize that level of energy. And what happens is if I'm, if it, if I can, sometimes it doesn't always happen, but if I can do it successfully, then once I'm like 15 minutes in of like my 20 minute meditation, all of a sudden it kicks into that gear and I literally feel it. And then I can open my eyes and I'm at that level. Um, but then I would also say too, is like, meditating is one of those things that it's like the gym where like, even if you wake up and you're really not motivated, your, your muscles kind of not hurt, but they're not feeling the best. Um, you, you're not that motivated. You're like barely pushing weight. You're kind of messing up. Um, you're not pushing that hard. It's one of those things like, even if you do it like a little bit, you know, it's still helping you at some level. And so even if you meditate and like you're trying to focus on your breath and, and you're terrible, you, you can't even focus on it, you're still doing a good thing. Like you're still slowly but surely training that muscle. And if you've never done that before, then like unless you, you know, you're, you're like the, the Dalai Lama or you've been, um, you're like a monk meditating on some mountain, that's extremely natural. Um, and so that's like another big thing too of like meditation is not, Aside from the examples that I listed, meditation is not this activity where you do it and then all of a sudden like you wake up and your stress is gone and you're just like floating in the clouds. Now, honestly, sometimes I get out of meditation, I'm like, yo, what the hell is <laughs> like, yo, what is my mind trying to show me? Um, and and it, it just becomes a learning lesson. But um, but yeah, there's many different, all sorts of different things, but definitely check out Ziva meditation. That's a great place to like actually learn how to meditate if you can't find an in, an in-person meditation teacher which of course is always better yeah uh i think a lot of people exactly think they're gonna sit down meditate and they're gonna be on a crazy different level of consciousness again like you said like floating in the clouds and you are just like a god at meditation when in reality it's just like the gym you don't go to the gym and expect to put up two plates on bench right away and bench 225. It's like, obviously it takes work. So um, like the, the actual growth in meditation is when you lose focus and then you can really come back. And, and you, again, like you, you like you said before with the, uh, with like filtering pasta in a strainer or whatever you, a colander, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a perfect example. And perfect analogy of meditation. I, I've also heard of like the, the cloud analogy where uh pretty much like imagine like your your thoughts are like clouds passing on a cloudy day and um that's what meditation really teaches you so definitely definitely thanks for sharing that and i know you are you are the king of yeah. getting into the the flow state and i know meditation is a is a huge huge aspect of that and you can really yeah. just transcend almost and really put your put your body and put yourself in a different level and uh really raise those consciousness raise that consciousness through through meditation but when you are in that flow state so why don't you touch on a little bit about flow state on how that's really just impacted you and maybe uh if uh anyone out there doesn't know yeah. what it is touch on that a little bit yeah so everyone knows that it's super hard to change your habits right if you get caught up in a habit loop it's extremely hard to stop doing that even if you at some level want to stop doing it uh but it's just hard to because of our neurological wiring and so when I look back at my journey I think one of the biggest reasons why I did become successful not even like at a, um, like at like a brand or professional level, just like my own mental health and, and, you know, just having peace in my own mind and being confident with who I am. I think a lot of the habits that I had to do to get there of like meditation, you've got to be eating healthy. You've got to exercise. You've got to be staying focused. You've got to, you've got to journal, you've got to read, like you got to do all these things. And those can be hard to do, right? If you are, I'm constantly, constantly getting distracted. And I think one of the biggest remedies to this is the flow state, which is like those, those moments where you feel like you, you kind of lose track of time or it's, a, it's like a partial feeling of that. You don't have to be 
totally in these moments where you're like you have no, like you have no idea what's going on or like you have no concept of time like there's like a there's like a in between for sure but it's these moments where like you just get on a groove you're super focused attention to detail and you, you kind of lose your sense of time and after you kind of like feel like you just snap out of it and you're like man i was super productive for like three hours i didn't even notice um so i think that that's like that's a real goal that you should have because if you're able to get in those states, then you're not going to be distracted and you are going to accomplish those habits. And the truth is, is that even if you have had a lot of mental health problems, if you almost like every single day of the year are meditating, are eating healthy, are exercising, are surrounding yourself with the right people, are doing whatever sort of you know thing that you found for you, whatever kind of regimen, if you're doing these things, you are going to heal. You are going to grow. Of course, you're still going to have problems, but you're literally going to be completely able to change your life. And so, you know, everyone reads books, everyone listens to podcasts, everyone knows what to do. But I think that figuring out how to put yourself in this flow state is the way that you actually get to the goal of becoming who you want to be. When you just look at like, hey, if I meditate like 2000 times, that's going to help my brain, my brain grow. But, but why aren't I doing that? And so I think the biggest obstacle that stops people from getting in flow is, you know, I don't think it's social media. I don't think it's people's phone. I think it's psychological trauma. And that's the most immediate thing because we've all been there where, you know, you told yourself you would focus on something or you would do something and then you try to do it and you try your best. And then next thing you know, you know, your mind starts thinking like, dude, you kind of suck at this, bro. You're not even gonna be able to do this. Oh, dude, remember when, um, you know, you tried to do this in the seventh grade and you sucked and you got made fun of by these people and that, that girl didn't say yes and, and all these different things. Um, and what happens is you end up distracting yourself on purpose. You know, that's the way I think it, it works. I don't think necessarily that you know, our phones are just sucking us. I think that we want to be distracted and we just ch choose the, the closest thing to us, whether that's a phone, whether that's drugs, whether that's video games, whether that's porn, whether that's what, whatever that is. Um, and so I think that's the biggest step. And I think just getting into flow is easier if you can, um, if you can help your brain become healthier. And the reason why I say that is I, it's extremely easy to get into flow. You know, what's the number one thing that produces flow? Video games. Video games are the number one thing that um, companies, developers have figured out to get people in the present moment every single second. Like Call of Duty is a great example of this because like you have to know exactly what you're doing because if you don't, that guy's going to shoot you and you got to shoot that guy first um, or whatever it is. And so the, the goal is, is it's easy to get into flow, but you want to get into flow with the right tools, the right vehicles. And the truth is, is those right vehicles, to be quite frank, are boring, especially if you have been used to if your brain is not that healthy, if your brain it, like literally is inflamed, if your brain is, is just lacking the right um, like resources it needs to grow. Um, and so like for me, I think one of the biggest things that people can do to just get their get it going because the truth is is that most people are not in the present moment for most of their lives and when you're talking about flow you know aside from like exercise journaling uh, music is a big one uh, art uh, different things where it, you know it's different for everybody but it's things to get you in the present moment but I think that a lot of people just can't do that because their brains are unhealthy and if your brain is unhealthy at like a biological level, just because of like our modern world, our modern society has set course for that for the average person unknowingly, then you're not going to be able to, to sort of be able to easily fall into a flow state because your brain just isn't strong enough to, to handle it. Um, and so some things that you can do to make your brain stronger, meditation, uh, making sure that you are well hydrated throughout the day, um, not doing too many drugs, alcohol, making sure that you are, are sleeping well. Sleep is so big. Um, I remember when I first started my entrepreneurial journey, I was sleeping for like six hours. And, um, and a lot of people will tell, tell you that's okay. Personally, what I found for me is that's not okay. Uh, especially if I'm like going to the gym and I'm working out and my body's growing muscle, I need way more sleep 
Um, uh, eating healthy, that's a massive one. Not, not consuming sugar, uh, that's like a big one. Like sugar, sugar is literally a drug that makes your brain weaker. Um, and there's different things that I can go into that. But yeah, I think in terms of growing your brain, food is probably the biggest one. Sleep, water, meditation. Those are like uh, sunlight, going outside in the sun, exercising. These are like some very basic things that you can just like cross off and check off your list, which will make your brain stronger, which then, you know, when you go for a walk or you have a, a, an engaging conversation with your friend, that will help you get into flow easier, faster, better, more efficiently. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I was just going to ask you like, what are like the biggest like brain resources that you have? And I think you, you nailed it on the head. Is there anything like specific you want to touch on any like foods that help you? Uh, do you know, do you like structure your day centered around, um, centered around kind of like these brain resources almost? Yeah. It's super interesting. You know, what I would say is, um, people should read the book, um, when by Daniel Pink, because the timing of things is extremely important throughout the day. So for example, I've learned for me, I'm going to schedule all of my calls for the most part um, later, like starting from 3 p.m. And the reason why I do that is obviously it depends. Like if I have some sort of a, like a sort of like a creative strategy session, I'm going to do that earlier in the day. But for the most part, calls that I have other, with other people are later in the day. And the reason why is because I've just learned that personally for me, my brain is just much more able to focus on things that I need to do individually um, and things that are more creative, things like writing early on in the day. Because I've tried to like have meetings early in the day. And then later on, I, I try to do my individual work and I literally just can't, I can't focus. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then mm -hmm. I end up doing something totally different. And so the, the timing of things is, is extremely important. And it differs from person to person. And I've had Daniel Pink on my podcast. He's also endorsed my book. So people can check that out. Um, but in terms of like other brain things, in terms of food, the truth is, is that there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet. There's no such thing as everybody should be on keto or everyone should go vegan or everyone should go carnivore or everyone should go this. But there are definitely a few fundamentals. One is like, nobody should be nobody should be eating anything artificial. So it doesn't matter like, you know, how much you're, you're pushing in the gym or whatever. If you want to have a healthy overall life in terms of your physical health, your mental health, you have to be eating natural foods. That's like step one. And so if you are at the grocery store and you're about to buy something that comes in a box or a bag and you flip over the ingredients list, you should be able to very easily identify what is in those ingredients. So like chicken, lime, salt, uh, garlic, um, rosemary. They, those are like all natural things that like your body can recognize. But then once you get into the realm of like maltodextrin, red six, blue five, a lot of people look at that stuff. And like, I remember seeing that stuff as like a kid and be like, oh, this is just like for smart people to understand. Oh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. This just, this isn't that important. But what I've learned is if your body cannot, if, if not, excuse me, if you cannot like logically recognize an ingredient, when you put it in your body, your body won't recognize it either. And that may cause cellular damage that may have different effects depending on the person that may range from being obese to having diabetes, to having anxiety, to having skin rashes. And so one of the biggest things is just don't consume anything artificial, you know, we can get down into like, what what else is really healthy or, or what we should be eating. But that's like one of the biggest things. And the last thing that I would say in regards to that is um, uh, my, my boy, uh, Naveen Jain, who is the CEO of this company called Viome. He's also the CEO of, uh, of this space company called Moon Express. The guy's like this billionaire philanthropist. And this company that he started called Viome, uh, basically what he's trying to do is he's make, he's trying to make chronic illness an option. And basically what they're doing is they've teamed up with the US government to license this technology that basically lets you look into someone's body at like you get to look at all of their cells and you get to look at this thing called their gut microbiome. And 
I talk about this in my book, and this is actually like the next frontier of like mental health in general. But basically what scientists have discovered in the last 10, 15 years is that a key part of mental health, a key part of our life in general are a part of neurotransmitters. And neurotransmitters, you know, everyone knows about dopamine, oxytocin. There's this one called serotonin. And they found that 90% of serotonin isn't even in your brain. It's in your gut microbiome. And so serotonin is literally responsible for your mood, your appetite, your sleep, your sexual desire. I talk about it a lot because it actually controls how you function in social groups. So in terms of people who have social anxiety, it's massive. But um, food is one of the best ways to, to remedy and heal and create a center of health within you through your gut microbiome. Um, and so basically, Viome, this company, is I'm pretty sure it's the world's only company that can test your gut microbiome accurately. And um, and like I recently just got like my blood tested through them. They're going to tell me like how my mitochondria is doing, which if the education system taught us anything, mm-hmm. mitochondria is the powerhouse, powerhouse of the self. <laughs> and dude, that's so important. That's so important because if you understand that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, then it's like, okay, what is wrong with my mitochondria? Because that's actually what's giving me energy. And that's extremely tied to your gut. And so that's like a, a straight fire resource uh, biome that people can check out. And it'll literally tell you, hey, um, eat avocados, but uh, don't eat eggs. Because for you, based on what we found specifically, you actually shouldn't be eating eggs. But then someone for me, it's like, hey, Mark, uh, eggs are actually a superfood for you because they actually help repair your body's issue with this. And so that's the truth about health and, so, and especially in terms of food. So people can check that out. That's like the most straight fire way to take advantage of, of, of this time that we're living in because of technology converging in with healthcare. So it's super interesting. That's what I would say for people who really want to get specific. Yeah, that's, that's super fascinating. I'm, I know I'm definitely going to check that out. That's something I haven't really looked into yet. I obviously know the Dude, gut is massive. Yeah. I'm, I'm like fascinated. I want to, I want to learn more. We, we have a whole nother podcast on that. Um, and, I and I know, I know we, we could have went a lot of different ways with this podcast. I know we definitely covered a lot on the health side of things and really, uh, creating your, uh, yourself to be to be the best version of yourself from a, from an actual physical health standpoint and I love that um, because I think um, we hear a lot of just like business entrepreneurial podcasts other right. entrepreneurs talk about entrepreneurship and hustle and specifically LinkedIn and content creation and stuff and there's so much information out there but I, I still feel like there's not enough information about health and everything we talked about like I okay why is meditation important yes yes it's important but like how do you do it um, so exactly. I, I just want to say like thanks for opening up about all of that I know you are on a ton a ton of podcasts so I will ask you a question is there anything sure. you you've really never shared on a podcast that you uh, you really think back to you wish you shared or anything like that um, <laughs> that you feel comfortable sharing and you want to share with the audience? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I. I don't know. This is kind of a weird question because like I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't even remember everything I've talked about. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, wait, what, what can I share? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing, but (laughs) (laughs) no, no worries. Or is there anything like that you really, really want the, uh, I know like pretty much at every, every end of each podcast. Oh, what do you want to leave the viewers with? You get the same question every time, but like, what's, I guess, what's the most important thing that has helped you transform your life, uh, single-handedly? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that um, the biggest thing that I that I think has totally transformed my life is um, I I I truly used to look at things like anxiety, depression, uh, not being productive enough, not accomplishing enough as like moral or ethical issues of like, I'm Mark Mentry and I'm this terrible person because I can't do these things uh, because I'm born like this from God or for whoever, for whatever reason. But the moment that I started to look at it and not like not take it so personally, but just more look at it objectively speaking, 
by realizing a lot of the, what I would say, scientific and biological backdoors that our brain has that create our reality. And then you start to understand like, hey, if I experiment with this meditation thing and I just do it, that may help me, that may not help me. You try it, you stick it out. And then overall, it does, it does literally rewire your brain. And so I think the biggest thing that has stopped people from trying meditation is like, they just look at themselves as a static character. They look at themselves like, hey, I'm Mark, I have these problems, I have these issues, and this is just the way it's going to be. But when you just take a step back and you just just begin to understand like just various scientific facts, like what I said of like serotonin neurotransmitter, you could be one of the smartest, happiest, caring people, but you could, your, your biology, your, the nature of your existence could force you to be a shy, insecure, angry, sad person. That may have nothing to do with you. And so the biggest thing that I'd say is people need to understand just the science behind this. And that's why I talk about the science behind this stuff so often, because once you understand that, you just look at it from a different perspective. And it's no longer like, wow, if I don't do this thing that I told myself I'm going to do, I'm some failure. And then that drives you into a cycle of shame and guilt where you don't really end up doing anything and you procrastinate further versus saying like, huh, okay, my brain is like this ancient computer that has existed for tens of thousands of years that has various factors that may be my fault, may not be my fault at all, but I do know it's my responsibility. So what can I just do from like, as if, I, if, as if like I was a science project, as if like, hey, if I could experiment with this thing, if I could maybe think this thing might help me, maybe someone told me about it, maybe I heard it on someone else's journey and let me experiment with that. When you do that, that's how you start to remove the shame and guilt that will actually get you to be moving on your butt. Because the truth is, is that people don't develop themselves because they don't love themselves. And people don't love themselves because they've never accepted who they are. And they've never accepted who they are because they've never forgiven themselves because they're constantly caught up in this shame guilt cycle that they probably learned from their parents, from a teacher, from a family member who probably didn't, you know, isn't living their dream life, who isn't living their authentic lives. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things that I could tell people of just like, you can't see it personally. You have to look at how it objectively is. And so what, when you get anxiety, when you get depression, don't take it personally. Don't be like, wow, I'm, I'm like this depressed person or this is my identity. But you look at it of like a scientific phenomenon that's happening and you're, and you're like an observer and you're like, wow, that's really interesting. That's happening. What can I do about this versus wow, I'm so messed up. I'm so screwed up. I can't believe this is like that. Other people, I bet they're, I bet they're not having such a hard time. And then it just like plunges you in the cycle. But once you learn to shift that and then you begin to say like, Hey, dude, it's literally okay if this happened because I'm a human being and I'm this person, this organism that's trying to exist within this many feedback of feedback loops and all these different things and people being murdered right now across the planet and all these crazy things that are happening. And you're like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to forgive myself. And then once you start to do that, then you start to accept for who you actually are. And then once you do that, then you actually start to love yourself. And then you're like, oh my God, I actually love myself so much that I actually want to be meditating. I actually want to be doing these things because if I truly love myself, I'm going to try my best to help myself because I know that I should love myself and I should look at myself the same way that, you know, I look at my best friend or like a friend in need. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of the most powerful things that I could tell people of just like, don't take it personally. Look at the science behind what's actually happening in your brain, in your mind as to why you think you don't have energy or you're not productive enough or, um, you know, you're tired. So then your girlfriend came in and then she started to talk to you about this thing. And then you yelled at her. You have to take a look at like these things from an objective perspective, because once you do that, then you're able to actually work on them in a healthy cycle, not in a cycle that is filled with, with shame and guilt that basically ends. Like if you are in that cycle, that's, what's going to end up leaving you at like 45 years old being obese 
working a job that you hate, uh, in a relationship that you don't want to be in, surrounded by the people that you don't want to be surrounded by, and just like being a passenger of your life. And you're like, you're going to wake up and you're like, wait, what happened? It's like literally people, because the truth is everyone wants to change themselves. Everyone is going after their goals consciously or unconsciously. But the truth is, is how are they doing that? And the reality is, is our world has just not set most of us up to learn the healthy, right, like the right coping mechanisms, the right ways to deal with being a human at a multivariate approach from a psychological level to an emotional level to a mental level, not just the, the sort of black and white world, not just money, not just the sort of societal status attributes that you can get that the education system teaches you to um, sort of chase when you really should be trying to chase yourself and trying to create yourself. And so, yeah, if you can do that and you remove like that shame, guilt, and you get on the cycle and the steps to loving yourself and accepting yourself, I think that's where you, you truly have long lasting self-development regardless if you listen to any podcast or read any kind of books, because like you're working on yourself like a, like a best friend, but then also when the bad things happen, you also don't judge yourself and you look at yourself like a science project. You look at yourself and you sort of disassociate almost so that you don't sort of pick up the, the blame and shame. I love what do you that. Think about that. You guys listening, you need to rewind <laughs> the past probably five, seven minutes and re-listen to that over and over and over again. <laughs> like you dropped so many, so many value bombs there. Um, and I, I really That's appreciate fine. you you going into that. Um, and as we as we wrap up, these conversations always fly by. I have a two-part question for you. First part, what is a human 2.0? And the second yeah. part is how do you become one? Yeah, man. So I remember if, uh, years back before I had my podcast and um, going on a run in the middle of the woods. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, man, you know, I was probably like a year or two in my self-development journey, really finding who I was. And I was running and all of a sudden I just started thinking like, you know, Mark, you've changed so much as a person. You've truly gone for someone who, you know, was was riddled with anxiety every second of every day to having some peace in your head to literally not having any friends because you're so shy and socially anxious to be to have a conversation with someone and make direct eye contact to being pretty confident and becoming a speaker. Just all these different things that I saw myself really transform. And I was like, literally anybody can do this. And obviously, I'm not the only person throughout human history to have changed themselves and developed themselves. And obviously, on my podcast, I explore the stories and paths of other people who have done it as well and are doing it. Um, and so I just started thinking like, and then also, I, um, I actually originally come from a computer science background. I used to program all the time. I don't really do it at all anymore. Um, so that's like a lot of how my brain thinks. And so I started thinking like, there are people who are living in the default setting of human consciousness. That's just sort of the, like the basic, like that's what you're born into for the most part. That's human versions 1.0. That is also what I define as like when you look at human history and you see all the crazy stuff that's happened from wars to genocides to mass pillages and rapes and, and things that have really are really unfortunate that have happened by human hands. Um, I think that I would also group that in that section of like, this is the default uh, layer of consciousness that is mostly based off of survival, that is mostly based off us interacting with the natural environment, living in limited resources. But then there are people who are able to go through life and for some, some reason or another, they, whether it's through a traumatic event, whether it's through some sort of an experience, they are able to realize that they have a conscious choice to do better. They have the ability to unlearn the bullshit from their past. They have the ability to, to do better, to get better relationships, to, to rewire their brain, to improve their life from every perspective, to, to even if you're born in poverty, to hustle and make money and get out of it to be able to help other people. So there are people who have done this. And that to me is what I think is really like the, the next stage of humanity. That's really where I think we're going to move away from 
um, sort of what I think like are these primitive ways of dealing with ourselves through violence, through, through racism, through theft, through um, mockery, through uh, putting people down mentally or, or, or abusing them, uh, through taking, taking advantage via power of people who don't have as much power over you. These are all things that I view under human 1.0. And the truth is, is that I, I don't think that you being a human 2.0 is ever truly like, I think it becomes a part of your identity of where like every morning you're like, Hey, and like, for example, you know, I, I have it like here on this podcast of like, in my brain, it's like, Hey Mark, you can go human 1.0, which is the way I used to live my life, which is say the least amount possible. Don't expose yourself. Don't be authentic because this person might hate you. They might ridicule you, whatever. And there's in my head, like the human 2.0 option of like, Hey, let me be honest. Let me be open. Let me try to communicate myself as best as possible because that is what's meaningful to life. That is what's truthful. And I know that after this interview, I could walk outside right now and get hit by a truck and die. And I know at my deathbed, I'm, I'm not going to be like, man, thank God I shut up for most of my life. Thank God I didn't have a voice. I'm never going to say that. It's always going to be like, I, I, I thank God that I presented myself the way I wanted to be presented and show myself to the world because this message is, is truly worth it. And so, um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's what I would say. Um, and the truth is, is yeah, it is an identity. It becomes a part of you, but it, but it's never like, it's never uh, like, a, like an arriving spot because that's where your ego then begins to create a home inside of it of like, well, you're never like, Hey, I'll, I'll fucking, I'm a human 2.0. I don't need to do this. <laughs> I don't need to do that. I don't need to read books anymore. I don't need to learn from people who are smarter than me. Um, when you do that, then that's when you are actually a human 1.0. And so it's something that we're, you're, everyone is constantly doing on a daily basis. There's, I don't think there's anything such thing as a human 2.0 uh, because the truth is, is everyone needs to work on something. Everyone has problems. Everyone has failures. And that's totally okay. And if you can understand that and focus on what's meaningful, develop yourself at every level, love yourself, take care of your mental health while also building your wealth, uh, that's, that's a human 2.0, man. Dude, I, I love that. I, I like that you slipped in a little rhyme, uh, in there. <laughs> I know, I know you're going to drop some heat pretty soon. What do you, you want to touch on, touch on? Your, yes. Your, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, man. I actually have, yeah, I actually have a meeting tomorrow with my producer. We're actually going to do, um, like this live virtual setting. I forgot what the website's called, but, um, because of like quarantine now and, and like people can't get in the same studio as, as each other. Although now that's changing. Um, there's like virtual studios. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, this is it, man. So I, I used to be really big into music actually when I was younger, but I ended up quitting because I let the haters talk me out of it. And so to be honest with you, like recent, just like last year, I really started to uncover my passion for, for music. And when I did, it came with a totally different, just like perspective of, you know, like I'm sure you've read that book, Think and Grow Rich. And, um, you know, there's a list in there of like, what, what are the, what are the, the easiest or the most uh, sort of flowing uh, stimuli in the planet that can most easily enter somebody's mind. And I believe the first one is something like, I believe it's sex. I believe it's like the desire for sex. And the second one is love. Uh, of, of someone else. But then the third one is music. And so when you begin to understand music and you begin to understand how powerful of a force it is, this is what I, this is what I realized, Sam. This, the people in the world who need the most help are not listening to self-development podcasts. No. The people who need the most help, who, who are on like the spectrum of not even being aware of what we talked about at the beginning those people don't even know the same way that when I was 18, I didn't know what self-development was either. But then how did I slowly get introduced to it? I slowly got introduced to it through listening to one of my favorite rappers, Logic. He came out with the song 1-800 about suicide mental health. I was like, oh my God, I had never heard this before. This is the same exact way I feel. And so like the last year, year and a half now, I've been on this journey of using music, using hip hop, using rap to 
talk about things that either I, I can't like logically express through a book or a podcast or a LinkedIn post, but more emotional things like at a deeper level. And then also just like messages, right? So like one of the biggest things is rap and music is so powerful. It's so catchy. And I think, in my opinion, I think a lot of it um, is being bastardized. I think when you have a, a mainstream population where people are making songs about, uh, you know, treating women in this certain way at the club or doing these certain drugs or just focusing on the money or whatever, I think there's a time and place for that. But, um, but I think if you like play that out and the impact of that, and like if a song gets a billion streams, I mean, dude, there's like 12 year old girls, there's 12 year old guys that are listening to that stuff. And I think, you know, that stuff can seem pretty harmless. Oh, it's just a song. But the truth is, is like, when you listen to a song and get stuck in your head, yo, where do you think that's getting stuck in your head? That's not just some random line. That's going to seep into your subconscious. That's going to seep into your psyche. And so one of the realizations that I had is like, yo, what if you could do that, but the other way? What if you could do that for good? What if instead of like, you know, mentioning, um, like strippers names on, on rap songs. What if you could mention like extremely smart people like authors? You know, like I, I have this, I have this, I have so many different lines, but like, you know, there's so many different lines that I can say to you. Like, um, um, like for example, um, you know, like I used to, um, like, uh, uh, man, this is totally blanking, but like, for <laughs> example, like I'm, I'm out here with my girl, respectfully dancing we have fun but the next day we're reading books from mark manson yeah and so like yep. and so just like <laughs> so just like I dropping things that. like that dropping different kinds of messages trying to get people to focus on what's actually important how to, how do you fucking like boss shit up but not in like a like terrible way and so that's really what i'm trying to do i'm collaborating with with many different kinds of people but yeah i mean that's really good that's like a whole other start it's like a totally different adventure that I honestly work on music every single day at this point. It's become such a part of my life that I, uh, yeah, I can't wait to, to release some stuff, man. So um, it's going to be super interesting, super unique. And, um, you know, just another form of expression that I hopefully maybe one day people can enjoy and then maybe like kind of like help them without them really knowing. <laughs> I I love that so much. Do you have any like release dates set or any, any projections um, right there? No, no. You know, honestly, man, I've, uh, like this has been a massive, uh, like a psychological game for myself where I'm like, oh, I'm going to release this song, I'm going to release this song. But then I'm like, nah, I'm not good enough. I suck. I'm not going to do it. So like, I have literally been stuck in that game for the last year and a half, which is why I haven't released anything. But, um, but that's definitely going to change. I've just, re I've just re re reached a level in my head where I just don't care anymore and I'm just going to go for it. So, um, so yeah, no release dates yet, but, but pretty soon I would say give it two weeks. Damn, so pretty soon. Pretty soon. Well, I'm pretty pumped. soon, dude. <laughs> you have a supporter here. I am going to be the first 10 people to stream it. I don't know. Yes. Hopefully, I'm number and one. Dude, Send me the link. This, <laughs> yes, definitely. And this is the other thing I want to do real quick. Uh, I know yep. we're running short on time, but the other thing, too, is I want to make music that entrepreneurs can listen to. You yeah. know, like most entrepreneurs that listen to that listen to just like whatever is already out there, they listen to it just because the it sounds good. Like the beat is good. And like, that's because music, I think now musically, I think it sounds better than ever because producers, technology, super talented, makes it way easier. Um, but I just want to have substance. And I, you know, I want to make music that Gary V can listen to. I want to make music that people like you can listen to like while you're, while you're like about to go on a call that to like hype yourself up or when you feel like you're depressed or like you can't focus on anything to also have that too. And so that's really part of a massive part of my goal because um that's the truth man we need we need more ways of expression and i remember when i was interviewing um this guy named inq i don't know if you've ever heard him mm -hmm. but he's like a poet um he, he's like a platinum award-winning songwriter musician and after the interview him and i were talking and he was telling me like dude get don't get caught up in this trap of like being this super high productive entrepreneur where the only things that you value are things that grow your social status or your net worth. Because of course that's part of the game, but like if you don't have any things that you genuinely enjoy doing that are artistic, that are creative for you, then even if you have like, even if you've checked off a lot of the boxes, 
your life is still going to seem empty. And, and like, we need art, we need some level of creativity to almost just add color in our lives or else I think things get too serious. And if you, you know, if, if you're living like that, I think your level of seriousness to being able to also like be creative and handle a joke, I think that's heavily correlated with someone's mental health as well of just not taking things existentially so seriously, man. So that's the massive part of it, dude. So yeah, please let me know what you think. I'll definitely shoot you a link when it's up. I love that dude. And, uh, and it's pretty a repetitive question, but where can people find you, man? <laughs> uh, just, just look me up, Mark Metry, uh, send me a LinkedIn request. Um, uh, add me on Instagram, Mark Metry, check out my podcast, my book, uh, my website is just M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Sam Lister, uh, thank you for being a great uh, person. Thank you for being a great host. Thank you for um, showing up. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for showing up in, in the fullest, highest capacity that you can. Um, so I, again, I, I really appreciate your time. I'm super pumped for people to uh, listen to this, get feedback, and again, keep, keep crushing it, brother.